Welcome back to season three of Flop Stars. If you've been with us before, it's much the same. We'll take an album that we feel was criminally underrated or ignored on the charts and unpack it. In the past, we've taken on Charlie XCX, Carly Rae Jepsen, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, and more. And today we're adding another one to that mix. We're taking on Marina's second album, Electra Heart. Hello, Nick. How are you? It's been a Hi, while. Hi, Sam. It has. We took a Easter sabbatical, but back at it. Um, do you An refer Easter to sabbatical? <laughs> Just like Jesus took three days off, we took three weeks off. Um, yeah. And rose again. Do you call Marina it. in this context, Marina or Marina in the Diamonds? Like That's what I've been wondering today because yeah. obviously on Spotify it's all now changed to Marina. But yeah. when we were consuming this album at the time, she was Marina and the Diamonds. Of course. And I think there actually were actual diamonds from what I could gather. Like she had band members that she called the Diamonds. I believe they just so. Like set people. Yeah. So let's go with Marina for the purpose of um, shortening the time, but we will acknowledge that at the time it was Marina and the Diamonds. Yeah, that's a real. I think that's a smart way to do it. Um, I was thinking as well if she was still Marina and the Diamonds, I feel like she definitely would have had like an NFT diamond in twenty twenty one to provide. Absolutely. To I think that's definitely a route she would have gone down, but she stripped it all back to her. But I mean, we're going back to 2012 where, you know, there was only room for so many um, female solo artists. So perhaps the idea mm. of having the diamonds around her, making it more of a band situation was, you know, a, a more planned thing to make it stand out more amongst the the many, many kind of alt pop stars that were around there at the time. Yeah, well, definitely there was some, like, legitimacy. I mean, pop was still a bit of a dirty word back when Marina was coming through, so there was definitely some legitimacy to adding some nondescript band to your name, and obviously it, like, happened so many times during that era. I think even Selena Gomez did it with Selena Gomez and the scene, whoever the the fuck the scene were. I mean, it's and, you know, there's many male pop stars who've done the same thing, Um Trying to think of them now, but I think about. <laughs> I was going to say, I Prince, can't think of any. Prince I'm sure there revolution is. Revolution. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. you know, you go back, it's not, a, it's not a new thing for this to have been done in 2012, but it's definitely interesting the positioning that a band around you and, and, an, and the um, title after your name provides to your band. Definitely, I think in many ways, it takes the heat off the person at the front from copying the brunt Mm -hmm. of all the kind of criticism and stuff as well. There's less of a spotlight on that individual person. And it feels like more of a, you know, more of a holistic kind of project with many moving parts to it. Um, But that also, I think, has its negatives in terms of stopping you from cutting through. You know, if if really at the end you are the pop star um, and the band around you is more of a facade than anything, it stops you from really cutting through and really finding your fan base. I mean, we're talking about an era where it was like Florence and the Machine and like Bat for Lashes and um, all these, LaRue, like all these, even Ellie Goulding, a lot of like alternative pop stars who didn't necessarily want to step into the whole pop world but wanted to kind of operate on the outskirts. And I think this was a way of getting around that, was just adding something to your name. It sounded a little bit quirky, sounded a bit cool. But then... I think Marina kind of really lent into that kind of bandy pop style on her first album. But by the time she got to this one, Electra Heart, 
she was like in full on pop star mode. She had the blonde wig. She had the big producers on her side. She was ready to do it. And yet she still had this and the diamonds thing going on. And then on top of that, we had to like embrace this new character, which she was calling Electra Hart. So there were just so many levels to what was going on here. A lot of moving parts to it. And it's so hard to latch onto and love a pop star when you don't really, you know, we only have so much time on our hands to grasp what's going on. You have to really love one of those elements to grasp onto the rest of it and really care about it. Yeah. And I think in terms of finding new fans for a project, it's like pretty much impossible to make them care that much to sort of navigate what's going on in this crazy world of you. Um, it's interesting to look at like who she, like where she sat around this time as well in terms of her um, quote unquote contemporaries. Cause she was like too electro for Sky Ferreira. She was not yeah. cool enough to be Charlie XCX. Mm-hmm. She was, I think in the same vein of Sky Ferreira, she was too um, contrived to be Lana Del Rey. So she kind of sat in this very strange sort of world where she was also too cool to be Katy Perry as well. So she yeah. sat in this very yeah, it's odd, isn't it? That wasn't as like. I feel like in 2021, there is a lot more room for everyone in that alternative space to carve out their own lane and to mark their own spot. But really in 2012, you had to be boxed in and you had to be, you know, you had to be seen as a a slightly less cool Katy Perry or a slightly more cool this and that. And it's very hard to actually cut through and find your own lane in 2012. I mean, it was like kind of the period where there were people like Florence and the Machine who were actually getting 10, like top 10 singles with songs that were quite alternative leading. Like when you think of something like Rabbit Heart, Raise It Up, that's extremely alternative to kind of land in the top 10 and get radio played. But that was starting to happen in the UK. And I think Marina really won fans over and started to build a lot of hype with a sound that was very alternative but then she did this big shift on the second album and this is like this is not an album that says I'm trying to make something that's like alternative left of center and I'm happy in my lane this is an album where you're going I'm ready to compete on the charts now let's have it like take me to the top there's Dr. Luke on there unfortunately um there's Circuit who's part of the Dr. Luke camp there's Greg Kirsten there's Stargate like these are the main pop people at this time yeah, and there, pop star. She wanted pop star. The, those hits. Do you think that she? Do you think there's hits on here? First of all, hundred percent. At least yeah. at the top and tail of the record, there's definitely some hits on there. The rest definitely mm. sits in this sort of kitschy, um, uh, yeah, this sort of like pastiche of 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 sort of alternative pop. I think some of it wouldn't go astray on sort of those middle. Gaga albums, those like album tracks. Yeah, on that's what I was thinking. Fame Monster and stuff. It's it kind of sits in that and eh, eh, nothing else I can say kind of world. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I think, but I think there's definitely hits on this album and definitely like mega hits. Um, looking at the chart, I love this chart fact that you've put down about the number one debut for this record. Um, yeah, it debuted at number one in the UK, but it's the lowest selling number one record in history. That's phenomenal. That to me says it's the label realizing that they maybe don't have a number one on their hand and finding a weak 
chart week <laughs> and then just milking that album for all it's worth. Just pop it through there. She got lu- She probably got lucky. And that, that's the thing. I, she absolutely got lucky. I know in Australia, I think Anthony Kalia got has the lowest yeah, um, charting that's number right. one record because he put out like a covers album and it sold like 990 copies, but it was just a really weak chart week when yeah. no one was really competing that week. And it, he just got lucky and ended up. Well, I'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> number one's a number one. But it shows that there was a fan base and a really rabid fan base, but that she had not crossed over to people listening on the radio, hearing the one song and then them going and buying the album immediately. Yeah. She hadn't crossed over to that. And I think she's a difficult pop star to latch onto and become a fan of if you don't have the time. Definitely. And I think that's the main problem here. Like if you want to cross over and be a big pop star, you got to ditch like all these concepts and long-winded stories because even my like I'm I've been a Marina fan from the start and I do really like this album, but the concept just went right over my head. I was yeah. like, if you can't wrap it up in a sentence, I don't really have the time for it. And and pop is quick consumption, so yep. yes, like a song like Radioactive or Prima Donna Girl is easy to hear, but then you dig a little bit deeper and you're like, oh, my God, now I've got to realise that there's four parts to the album, there's, a, there's a character involved, it's some, like, veiled um, criticism and commentary on the American dream and, like, and then you're like, oh, my God, I'm out. It's too much. And it's if too you much. I need Katy Perry. If you don't understand the almost humour and cheek of the record, then you just think the songs are shit and you can't go with them and you can't just take them on their face value. This is the thing that I was finding most interesting today is that the interviews I read with Marina talking about the album, she said that the UK didn't necessarily get her humour, but the US also didn't really get what she was trying to say. So it was like kind of lost in this weird middle ground because it's an incredibly sarcastic record. Like if if you'd come into it without knowing who Marina is and you heard Prima Donna Girl, you'd be like, what's wrong with her? Like, why is she so complimentary about all these really vapid personality traits? But if you know what she's been trying to say all along, you're like, you can kind of laugh at it. It's It's not to say that she can't be complex and build layers and build these stories in the future. But I think when you're going for that first big, if you're making an active choice to go commercial and go for a big banging pop record that sells a lot of copies and is easy to access for, for new fans, you've got to, actually lean in on that and then add all the layers add all the layers later which she has continued to do with with a record like fruit you know there's and and continue to do across her career add some layers and add some depth to it all you can do that but you've got to really lean into it when you've got a song like prima donna which is yes a commentary and yes a you know a, a very sarcastic one um i feel like you can put that record out let it sit on face value, let the rest of the record happen on face value yeah. and not add in all these layers. Like an and also I don't think I don't think that the mainstream at this time was really ready for you to start giving um these complex like stories behind things. I mean we're like basically talking about the same era as art pop. And I feel like like you were saying before, this falls into a real gaga category where it's like very theatrical, very character-based pop music that requires some learning and some like living with the record and her fans did that and they love this album and I love this album of course but I think if we're talking about it in the context of flop stars this is why it flopped because it was just too dense even though the the production was like really popular of the moment 
it just didn't really land from a conceptual perspective with people. And the critics, like, absolutely tore it apart. I'm not sure if they would so much now. I think there's a little bit more room to be a little bit more complex. If you think about somebody like Billie Eilish, there is, like, a bit of give now. I think even at the time there was a little bit of give for something like an art pop because Gaga had done the work to build the fan base, bring them in, give them really accessible pop records and then be able to do this kind of sarcastic commentary kind of record, um, you know, a few years after being the biggest pop star on the planet. And, yes, you will shed some fan base on, you know, the edges, but you have kind of earned... It's it's tough because I don't want to say you have to earn it to be able to make a commentary on this stuff. You shouldn't have to earn it by putting out multiple albums and, you know, and not distilling it down to your actual thoughts and actual personality. But I think there is a yeah. learning to be done from the way that Gaga did it in the same kind of year or two. Um, and even like, you know, even Katy Perry, like even looking at California Girls, for example, which was probably 18 months prior to this, you know, Katy had sort of, put the work in making those accessible pop records. Then California Girls comes along, which is a, you know, as much as it's just a fun song, it's also a bit of a piss take of the, you know, the the beach babe California girl um, yeah. at the same time, which she can do then because she's had a lot of time to, you know, to to settle in with these these kind of easily accessible songs. Yeah, we talk so much on this podcast about how it's all just about timing. And maybe the timing was just completely off for this record. Like there were people from her first record who were more alternative who were expecting something like that, but then she was starting to get radio play. So there were people who were expecting something more pop. Like she was just caught in a weird middle ground. And I think as we'll discuss, like as the podcast goes on, she's kind of ironed out those kinks and obviously um, dropping the diamonds was a large part of just being like, okay, the act's done now. And she yeah. said after this record, she was absolutely exhausted and so like tired of playing this Electra Hart character because clearly the concept had even confused her in the end. <laughs> but I think looking back at it now and actually listening listening to the songs, I'm like, there's there are a lot of good songs on here. She's clearly like an excellent pop writer. Absolutely. Just a lot of confusion going on. Yeah, no, the 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 songs all really do stand up. And if you do kind of just take it on on what her intentions were and what her plan was in terms of t- what she wanted to talk about on the record and how she wanted to execute it, it's a really good pop album. It's a really great kind of you know, mark of of a pop star and a great mark of a unique pop star. Um, it's it's so tough because we are talking a time where it was so hard to be just a unique pop star. It was so hard not to just yeah. be a sort of some of your um, peers and a you know be positioned around them if you were trying to yeah. make a new kind of mark on yourself. And I'm glad that she's stuck at stuck it out. And I'm glad that she's kind of you know continued to unpack you know, who she is as an artist over the journey. Well, I think she probably realised from this album because she said that working with Dr. Luke um, and Circuit and even Greg Kirsten, she said that there was like, she really liked the songs at their core, but going back and listening to it later, she wasn't such a fan of the production because she realised that it was inadvertently buying into what was popular at the time. And that's yeah. just the nature of working with popular producers. That's their job. Of they're, they're great 
producers because they know what's working on the charts and they can just launch you straight in there. So there's like this this internal wrestle going on with Marina where she kind of wants to be a pop star, but then she kind of wants to do her own thing. And she gets caught in an awkward middle ground. And I think after this album, she was like, nah, I'm done with that. I'm not doing that anymore. Fruit is almost entirely self-produced just with one other person involved in the entire process. Yep. So, like, she just went the complete opposite direction. And you can see why this whole, like, campaign would have been quite exhausting, I think. It's so tough when you take that kind of, you know, I have the control role in a record, but you're not actually doing you know, the ones and twos and sitting on the tools and, you know, creating the record. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough. And I think especially for Marina being, you know, a few, only a few years really into, you know, having a fan base and, and creating, you know, the Marina and the Diamonds project. Um, I know it can be very difficult for people to articulate exactly what they want. And they end up just kind of in this web of saying yes or no rather than actually contributing their their thoughts on what the record can sound like. And I think yeah. there's there's definitely a learning that she's obviously gone through um, since and, and, and wonderfully so um, to work out how to actually articulate and, and create the records herself, um, which at the end of the day is the best way to get the project from your brain um, into an yeah. MP3 file. Let's think about like Marina if she was releasing this album right now, like Mm. she's had one pretty successful album. The like alt pop fans are really into it. Yep. Um, But she's trying to make, she's kind of trying to cross over into the mainstream. Maybe she's had a bit of a TikTok hit or something. (laughs) How do you think this album would be received now? I would say. Do you think it stands up? Yeah, re- it really does. And I would say much better. I kind of, you know, look at, I look at this album, you know, sonically and story-wise, and I kind of think like someone like an Ava Max coming out with a second album mm. could really benefit from a record that's like this, where you've got those kind of big banging, almost, um, almost ironic, you know, electro pop songs, but then you're kind of digging into those sort of more kitschy art pop um, sounding records and it, we kind of get to learn a little bit more about you after we've discovered this, you know, big pop star with a salad. Um, so I think, yeah, for some reason, Ava pops up in my mind as someone who, like, if you she know what? this record, would smash. I can, I can definitely hear Ava Max singing Prima Donna. Absolutely. Like, it, well, I guess that makes sense. Like, Circuit produces most of their stuff, doesn't yeah. it? So I guess it makes sense that we can hear that. But, like, it's definitely come full circle in terms of that really, like, maximalist electro-pop sound is back. Yeah. And I even think if Marina did this record again, you know, now, if she hadn't put this out in 2012 and was putting out in 2022 instead, I think there's definitely something to it. You know, there's an element of the... There's a, there's a, a sort of Slater feel to some of the songs. There's yeah. you know, a bit of Kim Petras in there. You know, this sound is the irony around this sound is back. The understanding yeah. of the irony through hyperpop is is back now. Yeah. Whereas in 2012, it was actually that might be the cleverest thing you've said on this podcast. I liked what I said a minute ago about brain <laughs> getting it from your brain to an MP3 file. I was pretty impressed with that as well. Um, <laughs> I sort of like did a little tick in my brain. I was like, "Go oh, you!" I mean, coffee. <laughs> I'm like You're putting together yeah. the Nick Kelly highlight reel. <laughs> this is kind of the show reel. <laughs> um, I think like 
Yeah, you look at, oh no, I was on a really good train of thought and then you distracted me. I know, I'm sorry, but it was really good. You were connecting her to hyperpop and like the irony of it. Yes, of course. So I think in 2012, the problem was she's creating these ironic kind of songs, these social commentaries with this electropop pastiche with these stupid like ridiculous synths and four to the floor drum machines. But talking ironically on a beat that sounds like a serious contemporary pop record. So there was a mismatch yeah. there. Whereas in 2021, if you were to do ironic commentary over a beat that sounded like that, you've got the perfect match because people understand the irony now of that and also have an appreciation of that production style yeah. with those lyrics, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if something from this album is going off on TikTok. I haven't yeah. done the research, but you I reckon something look. would. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting what goes off on TikTok, isn't it? There's definitely always. I feel like I just noticed that Bubblegum Bitch is her most streamed song right now, so I'm wondering if that's got something to do with TikTok. You keep talking, and I'm gonna have a look. Yeah, because I I'm only finding people called Marina on TikTok, so I actually don't know how to um. Use this, You're good but at TikTok, if it is popular, and so I'm terrible at TikTok. <laughs> Mind <laughs> appears to be her biggest um, song on TikTok. From what I what can... Mind appears to be her biggest song on TikTok. I don't even know what that is. Neither. Well, good for her. <laughs> Probably not even by her. <laughs> no, it says Marina. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're trying to find out whether Marina's a TikTok sensation, which is just <laughs> the most boomer thing we've ever done on this oh, podcast. Oh, no, wait. Bubblegum Bitch is her biggest. It is? Yeah. And I'm going to make a fake. Is it like, will we call it viral or is it just like a few people? We're about to find out. You go, You keep going and I'll let you know. Okay. All right. So I'm going to introduce the song game while we're waiting oh, for confirmation great. on Bubblegum Bitches TikTok. How are we doing the song game today? It's going to be Marina versus the alt pop girls. So yes. when you think of Marina, like she was friends with Lana Del Rey, maybe still is, not sure. 15,400 um, in- videos have used Bubblegum Bitch. Okay. Not viral, I'd say. Yeah. Not, not really. No. <laughs> um, okay. So song game is putting Marina up against the alt pop girls. Your lords, you're like, lords actually not in it, but that's the kind of like <laughs> vein of what we're going for. <laughs> Hang on, rewind on that. Your lords, <laughs> but lords not actually in it. Yeah. Great. But like, you know, awesome. the artist that made lord, let's say that. Sure. Okay. This is Marina versus lords DNA. <laughs> that's nice. I like that. Yeah. A chrome God, we're both on, on fire. Our, yeah. our words are working today. First one is Prima Donna. The, the big single off Electra Heart versus Boys by Charlie XCX. Oh, oh, that's a tough one because you've got like such a great electro pop song and it, like everything I've just said about it, like how much it would slap now as a new single versus Boys, which is much more cutesy, but very iconic, very big moment for Charlie. Um, yeah. yeah, what a really, really difficult one. I think I'm going to have to go with boys. It feels smarter. Okay. And more of its right. time. So yeah, it's Charlie I'm, for I'm, me. 
I should have thought about this before I did it, given that I um, You've really put these up against each other. Yeah. Yeah, kind of similar songs, but also very different. Boys, Boys never really gets to that banging chorus like Prima Donna does because no. it goes in a very different vibe. I That's really don't know. Yeah. I'm going back and forth. You know what? I, I don't think I love Boys as much now as I did when it came out. Yeah. Whereas yeah, Prima yeah. Donna, I, I really wanted it to have its second win and I think it would go off at a party. So I'm, I'm yep. going to go with Prima Donna. Okay. I like that. You know what they both got in common? They start at the hook. Yes, you're right. They do. And I think that's such a ge- that, not a genius that. pop stroke. So analytical today. It's such a smart way to start a song. Start with the bloody it is a, hook. It is a it is a smart way to start a song. It just makes sense. Start with. Are there any like idea. current examples of that? I don't know. Sweet but psycho. Sweet but psycho. Yeah. I'm just going to do Ava Max references all day. Yes, yeah, just um, Ava. <laughs> um, well, we even will like, do an Ava episode. You know, what? let's do absolutely. it. Let's finally do it. Um, the biggest song in the world right now, Peaches, Justin Bieber. Oh, of course. That starts with the chorus. Yep. Lil Nas mm-hmm. X, Montero, starts with the chorus. Yep. Astronaut in the Ocean starts with the chorus. Okay, so quite a Heat lot. Waves by Glass Animals starts with the chorus. Literally the five biggest songs in Australia right now. Start with the chorus. Well, there you go. There's the key. Just yeah. start with the chorus. All right, good. <laughs> Let's move on. Anyway, we're in the song now. <laughs> the, next, the next one is How to Be a Heartbreaker, also off this album. Yeah. Versus the In for the Kill by Lil Rook. I totally forgot about In for the Kill for a bit. Like I, yeah, but I also forgot about how to be a heartbreaker. How to be a heartbreaker. So this is why I put them up against each yeah. other. The forgettable. I feel like they both get outshone. They do. Mm. By by, you know, prima donna and bulletproof. Um, how to be a heartbreaker? Listening to it again, um, last night, I'm like, yeah, yeah. This is still like one of the two best songs on the album, and I love that it's that wonderful way to wrap it up and bring it back to the pop core but in for the kill i haven't listened to it in the last few days but uh, slash last few years really but it's very 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 good so so good i don't know i think i'm gonna have to go with how to be a heartbreaker though because it was a i've had a reminder of just how smart that song is so yeah it's one for marina it is really good how to be a heartbreaker goes off but in for the kill, like so many songs off that first Larue episode, are just like we should do that album on Flop Stars. Actually, Did you say first Larue episode because you were thinking about Flop Stars. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, my brain jumped ahead. So many songs on that first Larue record. In for the kill is just like, is it like syrupy or something? It's just like so, mm, like smooth yeah. and, and just rolls like, on so effortlessly. I feel like she's just gotten like it. a squeezy jar of honey and has just squeezed it for three minutes straight. Once again, beautiful wording from you. With that analogies. said, I'm going to go for In for the Kill by LaRue on yeah. this one. I'll support you on that. And I'm actually not 100% sure I'm happy with my choice of how to be a heartbreaker, but I'm sticking by it because. Let's move on. You can yeah. lose, lose sleep later. Absolutely. Um, the next matchup is two alt pop queens going a little disco. Fruit. Love, 
versus Spectrum Say My Name by Florence the Machine. You now can being... decide whether you're going to do the Calvin version or the remix. Well, that was my question because this changes things. Are we doing the Calvin remix, which ended up being probably arguably a bigger single, or are we doing the original version with Paul Epworth that was disco in nature but not as banging? Let's go for the original, I think. I think okay. it's fair to Marina because she didn't get the Calvin remix. I think for Florence to go from that Baroque pop avant-garde thing that she was doing that I generally fucking hate and to, <laughs> just as a rule of thumb, that adult contemporary white, yeah, you're not a fan, white you? woman fucking yodeling over a, a <laughs> beat made by five men named Dave I just can't. Always Dave. It's always Dave's. Oh, I've got this. Oh, actually, no, I'm not even going to get into it. I've just got this thing at the moment that I'm just with like <laughs> male producers called Dave. They're all called Dave. And they're all just like so up themselves. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think for Florence to go from, you know, what she was known for to jump into that, you know, disco and dance space for a little while and, and do these really fascinating collaborations, even like you've got the Dizzy Love um then this then the calvin remix and then the obvious calvin and her rematch for sweet nothing and she just fit them so well and it never took away from her genius and it never took it never never came across as being a grab for a hit or anything it just felt right yeah i think there's something so subtly brilliant in that and i think it started at spectrum um fruit i love and love the whole record but um, Spectrum just felt like a, sh- a, a shifting sands moment for Florence. So, yeah, I'll go with that. Definitely agree with you on that with Spectrum. And, it, yeah, it did feel so organic that, 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 that the Calvin Harris remix just came. Yeah. And it just made her a superstar like that. It didn't feel like, like it was forced at all. Absolutely. Definitely a special song, but kind of like on an album now that I listen to and just like, it's just like a lot. Florence really sings in your face a lot. <laughs> She's a loud vocalist. Sometimes when there's 16 songs of that, it can get a little bit overwhelming. Don't get me wrong, love her. But that's my my one um, constructive criticism of the Ceremonials album. Yeah. Fruit, however, so subtle, so just like brilliantly melodic and just sticks on the same beat the whole time and yet makes so many like... Um, rises and falls out of the whole thing. And I still listen to it all the time. Like I pop it onto every playlist I, ha- I'm, yeah. I make that's kind of like a vibey, excuse the terrible word, um, playlist. So I'm going to go with Fruit on this one. She she nailed the, the disco assignment, Marina. Yes, the brief was executed to success. Like, yeah. Very well done. I get you. I was waiting for you to say the next one. But um, yeah, I don't know why. It's on me. You're, that's your job. Along the next pre- one, ninety-five percent of things on this podcast. This is your job. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to turn up. That's a big. Job. I know. It's eight o'clock in the morning. It's not easy. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's not easy at all. Um, the next one is Hollywood. Versus National Anthem by Lana Del Rey. Another one of your yodelers. Well, here's the thing. Out of all of the Lana Del Rey songs, I think National Anthem is probably the one that I 
tolerate the most. No. I know. It is, I no, knew it's that. the one that I it's knew that. That's why I put it there. I, love, yeah, I really I like it. that song. I think it's really smart yeah. and really lovely and just a a joyous kind of moment. And I love Lana when she, like Lana when she's like that and like high high by the beach and that's my Lana. Um <laughs> The thing I think is funny about these two is that I definitely know that Hollywood by Marina is like a sarcastic criticism of America, but National Anthem should be, but I'm not sure that it is. No, (laughs) It may just be a moment of nationalistic pride. Because Lana. (laughs) No other explanation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a toughie, but for me, I think... Yeah, Hollywood, just like you with the, I still put it on every playlist kind of thing, like National Anthem, I will like see coming up in a queue of songs on Spotify and not skip it, which yeah. is a real benefit from me. Whereas Hollywood, I can go without. So I'm going to go with National Anthem. Yeah, I also think I could do without Hollywood. It's a good song and I really like her first album. Like it's it's mm. really funny and really charismatic. But I just don't find myself returning to it that often. No. As much as I do with the Fruit album. I probably go back to the Fruit album more so than I do any other yep. Marina album. Um, yeah, National Anthem on this one. Good. That's, right. a, that's a pretty good mix. She did pretty well against her alt-pop girls. Absolutely. I just can't we were just talking Lana Del Rey for an answer. I know. There you go. You're leading into us doing a Lana Del Rey album on <laughs> Flop Stars. It's gonna happen. I told you it's your birthday. I was... Your birthday treat. <laughs> yeah, month late. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was just talking with our silent producer about the episode. Actually, she was actually yep. in interested in the episode. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about how Marina kind of hasn't found that lane or that success that everybody that kind of surrounded her at the time did like Lana Del Rey does huge numbers. She's really found her niche. Um, Florence and the Machine, obviously one of the biggest festival headliners in the world. Yep. LaRue kind of dropped off. Um, Lord is huge. Like all these artists who have been really inspired by the work that Marina does have gone on to do really big things and to find a really big place in the commercial sphere. But Marina kind of, hasn't yes that's a really good point i think a tough thing for marina was it felt like electra heart happened and nothing really did for a very long time after unless you were an absolute mega fan at the jump of electra heart and she's always kind of fell down fallen down a crevice and i feel like it goes back to timing like you were talking about earlier as well goes back to the right records coming out at the right time, the right stories being told at the right time, you know, mm-hmm. just telling what telling people what they need to know to get them to invest in something and invest their time and energy and money into yeah. at the right time. And I feel like she never quite nailed the brief with that until Fruit. But when Fruit came around, that world was so cluttered with people that were doing the same kind of record mm. and we were going through that pop excuse me, transition from being a dirty word to being, um, you know, to being ironically loved, to being truly respected. We were going through that transitional process and Marina was right in the middle of it whilst, you know, so many other artists were, were finding their voice in pop as well. And so maybe it just became a thing of like, I'm a little bit distracted right now. I'm too distracted mm. to get 
into this. And I remember when fruit was starting to come out and the concept was being revealed and, and all this stuff was happening. I, I once again found it too difficult to latch on. <laughs> and maybe this is just my undiagnosed ADHD, but she popped a few bits of fruit in her head and you were like, that's me. Uh, I was like, no, nah, I'm already lost. I'm already lost here. No, but I remember like, it was all the colors and it was just like so many songs. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> so- time. Stone time. Um, but, but also I think a big part of that was like, I, I wasn't looking for my alt pop women at that point. I had enough. Yeah. I had lots of people I was standing by that point. Um, and I just don't think she had room at that point, mm. which is a tough, a tough thing to, to realize when you come through with what is meant to be basically your magnum opus. Yeah, it's been conf- like so confusing watching her and how she's developed. And uh, I thought that after she released Electra Heart, given the criticism that she got for it, I was like, people are just not going to be on her side anymore. And then she released Fruit and Fruit did really well, like critically, people yep. loved it. And then I just thought that she'd fallen into this niche kind of category. But then Fruit charted at number eight in the US, which is her highest charting album here and a, a good result. And then I saw uh-huh. her at Coachella and she had a massive audience. So it feels like maybe the UK deserted her, but the US kept coming more and more on board and as it, they kind of started to understand the alternative pop world more. It feels like a number eight album as well and a good Coachella turnout, that's very indicative of, like, really owning the indie fans. So yeah, you've got definitely. them in vet. You don't have Middle America on board, but you've got such a great investment in those mm-hmm. indie music bands that are willing to spend money on the music. Coachella is an arguably very indie audience as well. So if you're getting a good turnout there, it's because you are one of the upper echelon of the indie acts that people really want to yeah. see. And I think as well, like Marina at Coachella, there's so much intrigue around her, you know, from yeah. a live perspective as well and how she would bring this confusing, convoluted, layered kind of record to life on, on a stage, let alone the biggest festival stage in the world. Um, mm. So definitely a lot of intrigue around that. Like I know if I, you know, saw Marina on a festival lineup, I'd be like, there's no way I'm missing that. That wasn't the year we went to Coachella, was it? That was another year, right? No, it wasn't. It was the set. I think I saw um, Azealia Banks there that oh, year that as well. Year. Yeah. They were both main stage. Yeah. But then I just wonder why. So then she did the Fruit album, which I think did generally like pretty well for her image and meant yeah. that she could kind of leave behind the, the critique that Electra Heart got. And then she did her next record, Love and Fear, which is when she dropped the diamonds yeah, and just went like, this is me. This is like me in my purest form. And that album was just, sorry, but it was boring as anything. Yeah. And it was, and it played to a British audience as well. Like she did the collabs with Clean Bandit and stuff. And she went right back into that. It's like, no, don't do that. Don't go back <laughs> into that world of British pop. That's like almost deserted you all along. Yeah. However, now she's got these like two singles out and the new album coming. And it feels like maybe she's found a way 
to bridge that gap between being herself and also being sarcastic and outlandish and have her political commentary. This Maybe is the most. This is the most excited I've been about Marina. I think right now, I'm like, yeah, she's. It seems like she's really in her lane. It feels like it's taken a long time for her to go through the different iterations that get her to being in her own lane. Like it's taken her like three times the amount of time it takes some pop stars to do it. Yeah. But there is no time limit on this stuff, and there is a as long as you are doing what feels genuine to you, there's no no rush to do it. Like if the music's yeah. good, we'll come to it. Um, and I, I forgot, by the way, that that Clean Bandit song was her and Louis Fonzi, the Despacito man. Like, yeah, just, it's just a real lean into commercialism. Just like not for her. She didn't need to do it. Not at all. She was already like beyond that. Fruit put her beyond that. And then she just popped herself right back in that world for no reason. <laughs> However, she did have a good song with Clean Bandit too called Disconnect. So she had oh, two, two sides song. of the coin. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't, Disconnect but, wasn't the one with um Bad Baby on it, was it? That was another one. No, no, I don't think so. Clean Bandit, no, Bad that Baby was Charlie CX. That's yeah. right. Yeah. What a trade. Disconnect was very disco-y. I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to say, though, that I think that a lot of these stuff, like I know LaRue has been very impacted by this and Marina has as well. Like the criticism they got around this time was pretty fucked up. Like yeah. I read a, a review that, um, it was from Clash, and I think I've popped it in the the review in the document. But they finished their review with "Electra Heart" is an ingloriously languid statement of Marina's demise, the final stamp of disapproval on her flailing excuse of a musical career. God, someone like, got up on the wrong side me, of the bed. I know that just oversteps the line of criticism to me. Like totally. How is a flailing excuse of a musical career when you've just had like your first top 10 UK single? It's not at all. Yeah. I just feel like they were out to destroy any like female pop star who was, who was doing anything that was remotely like, like off the path at all. Such a foul time of music criticism that early 2010s, wasn't it? So bad. It was like the really snobby indie music blog time. Yeah. And pop was starting to infiltrate, but they weren't having any of it. So they were writing silly things like that. And it was the crossover period of being, you know, like music magazines and indie zine kind of things to like, we need yeah. to get clicks. So we need to be meaner because meanness gets clicks. Exactly. Um, it was that period. Was that era? And then Project You and the Interns came along and just changed <laughs> everything. Just a ball of positivity. <laughs> Absolutely. You think Billie Eilish would have won a Grammy if it wasn't for us? Not a chance. You think? I don't think we wrote about Billie Eilish for a very long time. Do you think Years and Years would have had a number one? Absolutely not. A single this week without Project You's great work. Not at all. Not a chance. But, like, just the idea of a fucking critique of this record, trying to sort of say final stamp and, like, yeah. like ending her career, trying end to end her. her career. No. Not the gig. <laughs> not the gig. <laughs> well, she's still here, you little bitch, whoever wrote that review. <laughs> We're coming for you. I'm going to find out in tweet <laughs> in this video. Um, purge the fucking poison. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Should you do your game before I go off like a kettle? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Oh, now talking you're dying. This my, is yes, your final stand. Talking in my own spit. Um, <laughs> so, I'm just going to put a marker in there. Oh, can taste blood. That's good. Um, but, oh, you know, <laughs> don't, don't do that. I've been watching the crowd and they all cough blood and then they're dead an episode later. I hope not. I hope I'm not dead for our um for our LMFAO Party Rock um album review next week. Yeah. Well, this was the 40s, so I think you'll get better medical care if <laughs> if you are indeed. I'm coming off the end of a chest infection, guys. It's fine. But you know, I went out to the soccer in 10-degree right. weather last night, which is not the smartest thing I've done. Anyway, my game is called The Diamonds or Another Diamond. This is uh once again a song game where I take um, a reference to the band and then put it up against um, the, the same word, just in a different context. Yeah. Usually so wildly put, chaotic. Yeah, I'm going to put Marina songs up against um, some of the big hits with the word diamond in them um, over the mm-hmm. journey. First one we're going to go with is the TikTok sensation Bubblegum Bitch. I want to put that up against... <laughs> <laughs> I want to put that one up against Diamonds by Rihanna make a real difficult one to start with well diamonds by rihanna is kind of like a it's a mega hit really isn't it Mm. actually i've read a lot of um lists in the last week or so people ranking her songs and diamonds is always up quite high it's not really for me but i definitely like it was such a big hit as well yeah huge moment i'll go with diamonds but yeah yeah i'll go with diamonds great one for diamonds instead of the diamonds the second one is how to be a heartbreaker from marina versus diamonds by sam smith oh oh there's quite a few goodies in the on the yeah. side yeah i really like diamonds by sam smith but if it didn't exist i'd be fine um so i think on this one i'll go for how to be a heartbreaker it has more teeth interesting so it's one for the diamonds and one for diamonds. Yeah. Then we go. Okay, the next one is Fruit, which I know is a favourite of yours, versus Diamonds by Megan The Stallion and Normani. Uh, uh, no, I love Fruit. I don't really like Diamonds by um, I thought it was a good Megan The Stallion and Normani. I liked that. I like them both separately a lot, but I don't know. The song's a little bit annoying. Okay, and this one is going to be a very difficult one for you, but I think you can do it. Yeah. Prima Donna versus Diamonds mm-hmm. by the Australian country artist Morgan Evans. I've never I'll give you some research time if you wish. Okay. <laughs> give me a moment. Give you the cor- I'll give you the first chorus. What does Ma- Morgan Evans sing? He has a big... Is he your body as a back road or- Oh, kiss somebody. Yes. Okay. Diamond. Oh, good good amount of streams. All right, here we go. Oh, I don't mind this. That's mm. not bad. Mm. Big Keith Urban, eh? It's definitely not going to win against Prima, Prima Donna, but I might listen to it. Okay. If it's still up on my Spotify afterwards. But it's going to be another one for the diamonds. Yeah. Okay. So did she win? She won. Or is it not over? No, it's, ah. it's definitely over. Three to one. Congrats. 
Congratulations, Marina. It's you never really over. Against other songs called Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> we are running out of time again, as we so often do. But I want to know, like, what's your opinion on an alter ego pop album in general? She said this wasn't really an alter ego, but it was, wasn't it? Oh, there's got to be a really good reason for it. You've really got to have a great reason to do an alter ego pop album, I reckon. Um, hmm. You know, you've you've really got to have the whole character thought out. It's got to have a reason to be there. Otherwise, as I, as I've said so much on this episode, like you just you overcomplicate things for no apparent reason, and that's a really difficult yeah. process. Um, yeah, it needs to be absolutely integral to like the yeah. cohesion of the record. Not just like a stylistic thing. Absolutely. And maybe, I don't know, like Sasha Fierce is the one that comes to mind for me, Beyonce. Like, did that oh. work? Because I never really think about Sasha Fierce now when I think of single ladies or a record no. that was on that and side also, of the album. I think she didn't lean into that character as much as some people have sometimes. Like, it wasn't really, it was more a like, more a like framework that Beyonce made that album through. Mm. more like a set of morals and a set of, you know, themes that that album was made through rather than her taking on this other character. Um, That's what it felt like to me anyway. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Um, (laughs) Are you ready for my game? Yes, I'm really nervous. I've been excited about this I'm nervous about it, but I'm excited. Okay. So I've been wanting to do this for ages, but I couldn't figure out how to do it on Twitter. But I've gone back now through a lot of your tweets. Don't worry, I didn't find anything problematic. (laughs) Um, And you have to tell me whether you tweeted this or whether Marina tweeted this. Okay, interesting. You seem to actually have quite similar personalities and a a certain gift at mentioning things that are not... um, I I like that. I like that we do. Yeah. Yeah, you've got you've got a, a, I was gonna say really... spirit animal in Marina, but she's not an animal. <laughs> it's gonna test my memory though. Yeah, this is what I think. I think there are a few here, hopefully. Otherwise it might just light a spark in you and you'll go down a yeah. terrible road of nostalgia. Probably. So Giant rabbit hole. The, f- the first one is just found out the world doesn't revolve around me, shocked and upset. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. And I do agree with the sentiments of it. However, I believe that was Marina, not my good self. That was Marina, yes. <laughs> I forgot about that great tweet. That's a great tweet. Very good. <laughs> the happier people are, the more able they are to help other people. It's a fact. I, once again, I agree with the sentiment. I agree with the sentiment. I don't know if it's something I would have tweeted earnestly. So You've got go- a few earnest things on. on I'm going to go with Marina. Yeah, it was Marina. Yes. You're doing well so far. Good at clocking my own personality. Some people wouldn't know hard work if hard work was a fridge and fell on them from seven stories above. <laughs> I have a vague recollection of tweeting that in a fury of someone complaining about how hard they had they had it and just coming up with a silly analogy and tweeting it out into the ether, I think that was me. That was you, correct. 
I gotta work out. I, oh, actually, no, I remember who that was about now. Yep, cool. Thanks. Really? Yeah, someone I used to work with. They don't work okay. there anymore. So I'm not shopping. <laughs> Next one is I just slept for 15 hours. Hey, everybody. I'm Michael Jackson. <laughs> I was going to say the slept for 15 hours thing definitely me circa 2016, 17 after a long night. Um, <laughs> Michael Jackson reference, not very many. <laughs> So I'm going to go Marina on that one. <laughs> That's Marina. You're doing so well. <laughs> I'm happy with this. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is, I do enjoy EDM. <laughs> I do enjoy EDM. I do enjoy EDM. Me. That's you. You enjoy yes, EDM. Me. <laughs> Next one is: Do you ever think about what ghosts, what clothes ghosts wear? Clothes ghosts wear. Oh, that's Marina. That's Marina's kooky little attitude. Marina. That is. Yeah. I thought that was vague enough. You might have thought maybe that would have popped into your head. Yes. <laughs> Imagine how sad life as an Islamophobe would be. <laughs> bit political imagine how sad life as an islamophobe would be yeah it would be sad it would be sad i agree and it was probably me tweeting that after i reckon the lint cafe siege a few a few years ago oh no i didn't look for context um no but it, it was, was you context i'm of, not sure yes. what the context was i reckon the context was people were um being really awful to um Muslim people on buses in Sydney after um, a siege happened. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was great. You were right. That, that tweet was, was correct. That was funny. That was cool. um, okay. Two more. There's two oh, more. Great. Don't There's end two it more. just yet. No, I don't. Never would. I know it is just not in my nature to be an overzealous, self-centered troll bitch, egotistical drama queen, or anything. Dot dot dot. <laughs> okay, this is absolutely the hardest one. Um, to work out. <laughs> I'm going to go, that's Marina, I reckon. That is. I would have not done a dot, dot, dot. I would have finished my sentence is all. I'm not a dot, dot, dot kind of guy. Okay. The final one is um, low key. So nice to meet so many people in New York at the show last night. I didn't know anyone knew who I was. Oh, no. I know exactly what this is about. This is when I went to a Troy Sivan show in New York and people came up and got <laughs> photos with me. Oh, I feel like such a wanker. What a <laughs> no, it's beautiful. What a loser. <laughs> that was me. That was me. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't know anyone knew who I, knew who I was. <laughs> oh, shut up, mate. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was okay. Good. Okay. Um, find shit? <laughs> I had to like go deep into the Twitter like search function. You did a really good job of it. I did. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back. There'll be more. I just need more time to look. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What are your best and worst songs on the album? And what's your score out of 10? Um, best song on the album is definitely still Prima Donna. Um, 
Yeah. Bubblegum Bitch, though, like popped back up and I was like, oh, that's right. This exists. This is very cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, I struggle to find a, a least favourite, to be honest. Maybe, oh, actually, no, I really liked Valley, in the Do- Valley of the Dolls. Um, maybe Sex, yeah. Sex, yeah. I don't even know. Exactly. Sex, yeah. Oh, maybe that might be mine as well. Hang on. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's among a a series of, once again, over-bloated album tracks that don't need to be there. Yeah. Okay, I'll go sex, yeah, too. Great. That's my my least favourite. My favourites are Prima Donna. I like Teen Idol and yeah, I like Bubble Gum Bitch as well. Great. They're my three. And I think I'll give it a seven and a half out of ten. I think I'll give it a six and a half out of ten. Ooh. It's not it's not all that great. But Is that that's the, not lower than Kelly Clark. When it like shines, it, <laughs> no, it's not. That was about a four. When it shines, it shines, but yeah. it doesn't always shine. You know? Okay. All right, I understand. <laughs> What's your flop of the week? We haven't done this for ages. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. Um, there's been a lot of great kind of tracks come out the last little while that I reckon could, could go somewhere. Um, I reckon it's got to be Starstruck by Years and Years for me. Yeah, I was going to say that. Too. I knew you were. Just what a great yeah. return to form for a, a you know a great. We just went back on um on the first album a little while ago. Um, on communion and you know we kind of talked about how they kind of fell off a little bit on the second record but they've made some really hard decisions i.e cutting two-thirds of the band the project is now just ollie alexander they've lent into they've leaned into his tv um show that he's done yeah, I'm acting like I've never seen it. They're leaning to the it's a sin <laughs> thing, the whole video concept. His around. tele program that he did <laughs> on the box. On the box, the the Starstruck video leans into the show in that he's getting up out of bed after. <laughs> sorry if you haven't seen it. Um, the the oh my Starstruck God, that's video a massive spoiler leans in. Bleep it out. Does the Starstruck video ble- lean into that? Starstruck video is him aw- awakening from bed in his pajamas and dancing. I know, but I never put the two together. Yeah, I saw a post from one of his managers talking about it, talking about how that was the actual concept. Oh, okay, that's great. So they're leaning in and they're kind of making it all about Ollie as a whole and make, uh, making it about Ollie's whole, you know, existence rather than sort of this compartmentalised. Oh God, do you you know, you are immature. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just Ollie's, you know, compartmentalizing Ollie's musical career, um, the song fucking bangs. The album's going to be incredible. He's done all the TV shows in, in the UK. He's number one in the UK at the moment, climbing in Australia. Um, I think it's going to go everywhere. It's going to be a huge Great. record. I love it. Very deserved. I'm, I'll change mine then right. to um, there's an artist called Baby Queen. Yes. Who I think has just signed to Polydor. Yep. Um, and her first song for the major label is Dover Beach and it's a banger. So I think she's going to do really well. I mean, she just keeps putting out good singles, but this one's definitely feels like the one that's got the most wings. So yeah, 
get behind her. Hands down. Make it happen. Um, yeah, no, she's she's an exciting one. I chatted to her a little while ago and she's fantastic. Also, can I throw in an aside? There is a new song that's come out literally a couple of hours ago called Bus Stop. It's by a duo called Kinder from Australia. They're making some of the- Oh, it's out. It's out. It's amazing. They're making some of the coolest, funniest, funnest dance music in Australia at the moment. Um, They're Ghanaian Australian um, and they're using a whole bunch of kind of like instrumentation and and sort of the grooves in Ghanaian music traditionally and bringing it into this sort of like EDM world. And it's really unique and really genuine. and I think anyone who likes kind of dancey or pop stuff that has a bit of a real feel to it will love this. So Kinder Bus Stop, check it out as well. Love it. Thank Not you um, to everybody who sent us DMs asking for a Marina episode. They sent, like, I got more requests about Marina than anybody else. Yeah, it feels um, like it pops up. So hopefully you like this. It is the one episode I didn't hit record on. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> you'll deal full with the Zoom audio. Week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, make sure you follow on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts because it always helps us to um, get new people and share it with a friend who is a Marina stan if you want. Um, yeah, and, also- and spam us with more requests. Give us, yeah. let us know what you want. Because the way we've been we're doing running it, out of ideas. We should give the we should give the um peel back the curtain. We don't decide what we're doing until a few days before we do the podcast because we like to do something that's got like some relevance to something happening at the moment. So like the artist got a new song or whatever. So yeah. like if you if you suggest something and we don't do it straight away, we still pop it on a list where we go, shit, we need to get to that at some point. And that list is is actually quite extensive. Um so yeah, keep the thoughts yeah. coming. They're really helpful. Yeah, we only have so many brain cells between the two of us. (laughs) Catch you next week. All right. See ya. Bye.